When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Today, after the Vikings game, we're looking at the offense tonight and joining me, one of our favorite friends of the show, Sarah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Ken? Thanks for the invitation tonight. Uh, always great to talk football with you. Sarah Ellison, you probably know her from Twitter. She used to work for the Ravens. Tremendous social media presence that she is, and she has uh, a, a, still, a show you do after the games, right? Yeah, me and, and Kadri Ismail, after, after the pressers, we always jump on and, on Twitter, and we do a, a kind of post-game analysis show. All right, that's great. So you're using a, a Twitter video stream, or what is it? What how does it? We're exactly using work? Twitter Spaces right now. That's kind of where we're at. More more for technical reasons. We're having a hard time getting cue on the on the video. Uh, so if there's anybody that wants to volunteer and help us out with all that, that'd be great because we just neither of us have the time to worry about the tech stuff. So we're kind of going the uh, you know less resist you know the the path with the with the least amount of resistance right now when it comes to the tech part of it. All right. Open producer role. You folks yeah. heard, it here, heard it here first. Uh, obviously, uh, this this is a big game. Uh, g- getting by the Vikings, uh, not huge necessarily in terms of playoff tiebreakers, which is the interesting part about playing an NFC team. But I think big in terms of recovering after that horrible loss against Cincinnati against a pretty good team that has some quality pieces uh, winning in a... Uh, I would say a somewhat convincing manner, despite the three point difference. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's this whole uh, slow starts again, right? I mean, so that's why um, it's gotten to the point where, um, and, I, and I said this on, on a show with me and Q, I grew up in Denver and I grew up watching um, John Elway with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care if they were down by 14 when the fourth quarter came around because we had John Elway and it was like, he can come back. And um, I'm getting to that point with Lamar Jackson uh, and the, and the, and this Ravens team where it's like, you know, down by 11 to KC, come back and win it down by 16 to the Colts in the fourth quarter, come back and win it down by 14, to the Vikings in the second quarter. Um, it's not fun to go through a half like that, but it's kind of become part of their identity so far this season. I'm sure they'd like to change it. I would like them to change it. Everybody that's been having a heart attack would like to change it, but maybe that's your feeling that it was still dominant, even though that first half is bad. I mean, I mean, they dominated time of possession. They dominated the amount of plays. Um, and so they really, it just felt like they had control, minus those big plays on defense. So, uh, but the offense definitely felt like it was in control from the third quarter throughout overtime. Yeah, absolutely. The 80, 89 plays was the third most in team history. The two, two games it's behind are the, this number two team. The only one that was in the regular season was the, was the fourth and 29 game at San Diego, which went overtime in 2012. So they had, I think 90 or 91 plays in that. And they had 92 in the, uh, lost to the Tennessee in the playoffs in 2019. Mm. So uh, those are the those are the two longest. So the, anyway, a play advantage like that should result in a bigger winning margin and whatnot. But sometimes there's you know pick sixes and kick returns for touchdowns right. and whatnot. And of course, there was one in this game that that uh, uh, narrowed what was a very I think a very decisive win for the Ravens in terms of most parameters. So the Ravens had uh, probably their biggest stat in this game for for possession metrics: 36 first downs in the game. That broke the Ravens record, the franchise record, by four. They seven times had between 30 and 32. The NFL record is only 40. And there have only been eight times in the entire history of the NFL that a team has gotten more than 36 first downs in a game. It's happened another 14 times that teams have gotten exactly 36. But only eight times they had more. And 40 by New Orleans is is the record. Uh, uh, Obviously, it did not even seem like that kind of a game for rolling up first downs, the way they played that first half. Right. I would have said, well, I don't think they had that many first downs. Maybe, maybe they had 28 or something in this game, but you know, well, when you have, when you have 89 plays, I, I'm telling you, I, I, this is crazy. They're going to be coming off of a short week, watching the film to get ready for this. I was exhausted. Cause I was like, geez, Louise, it was just play after play. The, like, I think there was a, a 10 minute, seven 10 minute and seven second drive which was like the longest since 2000 in raven's history mm-hmm. it's been 20 years and like there was a part of me that was like can i get a three and out here just because there's so much <laughs> there's so much film to go and dissect so i can only imagine how some of these players are feeling trying to get ready for miami on thursday night it was a lot of plays when you have that many you know it probably means you're turning out some first downs you certainly have to have some first downs, that's yeah. for sure. So uh, Maureen and I did the offensive line scoring, similar experience. You know, we're, we're, we're sitting there and it's just it's a it's a very long process. And we did not even you know, we, we have about three hours and it's a very tightly packed schedule with all the analysis and, and writing and potting yeah. that I do between then and, the, and, the, and when I do the defensive pot on Monday night. And we didn't quite get it done 
in time for that. And I had to wake her up and then we did more after that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's, it makes for a very long and, and uh, stressful night, but, uh, but she's good. Cause once she's done, that's her, the end of her obligation for the week. Yeah, yeah. Got to do. She's so a good sport. She's, she's great. Um, I, I'll go on here. Uh, let's talk some scheme and some results. The, the Vikings used 36%, five-plus rushing Lamar, so 10 out of 28 in this game. This was the first moderate blitz, blitz scheme that the Ravens faced in about the last five games. They had this dyadic, uh, I think that's the correct word, maybe your husband would know, a pattern of, of very, very high blitz rates and very low blitz rates that they've been facing the last four weeks uh, with Denver and the Chargers rushing them like crazy with numbers. Um, I Denver the Chargers. I think that's correct. Um, and uh, uh, you know, Cincinnati kind of taking it easy. And and uh, this this was a, a game where they, they they got more normal rush numbers, but it was a little bit barbell. They got a lot of four man rush in the first half, and then the Vikings let loose with some numbers when that really wasn't working as much in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I most most times people don't want to be too aggressive because they're afraid of Lamar, right? If you if you over pursue him, he's just going to take off, and you got nobody there to help out. And so, uh, you know, the Vikings changed their game plan. Um, there was there was one time I feel like yeah, he was sacked on on one time that they brought six. Um, so they found some 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 um, uh, success with it, but Lamar also ran a lot over over a hundred yards. So, but that's, you know, that's usually why people lay back. They're, they're going to get killed by Lamar if they do that too much. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it was a, it was a solid game. The Ravens still using lots of extra inline players. Uh, if you thought they played with a lot of heavies on the field, you're, you're not imagining it. They played with 1.93 tight ends, fullbacks, and sixth offensive linemen per play. So that's second of the season, only the chargers where they really were having to stop the blitz with a lot of extra heavies. Uh, this game, they did a lot more of the set and ship blocking, 21 set blockers, 15 ship blockers. So a set blocker, as I'm defining it, is a, is a player who's kept in entirely to block. And a chip blocker uh, throws a block usually on an end player and then goes out for a pass. I know you know this, Sarah, but I, I have to tell some people who are listening. And that was on 44 pass plays. So that's .82 per play. Uh, that's a very high number of your eligible receivers to sacrifice on a per play basis. And the Ravens week after week with their current tackle situation are having to say, we can't block these guys with five. We need to, we need to do more. Yeah. It's, it's not like when I, when you sent the notes, it wasn't surprising to me to see that. Um, we know what the Ravens tackle situation is, um, which, you know, we're going to get into, but you know, Phillips to me, <laughs> every time I see Phillips, they like zoom in on him and they kind of have him inside. You can kind of see in his face mask. And I'm like, that dude looks like he is holding on for dear life. <laughs> like he just looks like a deer in the headlights. We all know that he's playing outside of where everybody thinks his best position should be. So, you know, you can't be too hard on him in that aspect, but at the same time, I mean, and then you have, you know, Alejandro on the other side who I think is maybe playing average, um, you know, and you know, that's the situation. So I think Roman is making the right call with these, with these blockers, these big heavy sets, because that's what it's going to take uh, to keep Lamar clean. Yeah, I think I think he's done a very good job with it, and and there's like an extra benefit. It's you, you get the benefit on that play, but you also you you put your body into the into the ribs of that outside rusher. And he's not just not just necessarily one play. He's tired for a couple of plays. He's out of breath and, and he has trouble. And already, I mean, pass rushing, very tiring. So the Ravens, when they have these long drives 
and they possessed the ball, particularly against the Colts, where they never went to third down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you knew this. They had 19 first downs, and uh, on the last four touchdown drives, they never once went got a third down. Jeez. Which is incredible. It's pretty nice. It's pretty good. Yeah, first down, second down here. It's pretty much rolled right down the field. Well, anyway, that was a little bit of what happened um, again against the Vikings. They were able to move the ball effectively, the lone exception being the drive in the last minute of regulation when the the Vikings got them stopped with a couple sacks and really, frankly, went all out with them after uh, after the blitz there uh, to get to them. But but they were – I think that Roman's – Scheme is doing a very good job of wearing down opposing pass rushes. And we had a great question coming in the mailbag, and I'm going to just jumpstart it here. John Big Booty, not a great name. For <laughs> somebody John Big Booty, let's go. Yes, said, said what, what's the reason for the slow starts? And I said, you know, maybe there's a couple of reasons, but I definitely want to talk that over with Sarah. But, but one thing I thought is that Roman is kind of known for probing with his playbook and his scheme to see how the opponent will react to it. And that, uh, you know, that may be in suboptimal conditions now with a weak offensive line relative to 2019, I'm going to say now, and a weak set of running backs Welcome to two, well, relative to 2019. Right. And it, it, that 2019 team, they could, they could pretty much be very effective anytime they wanted to offensively, even when they were being a little bit suboptimal about their play calls. This, this team doesn't have that luxury. They, they need better play calling. They need to take more chances to move the football. And I think they're doing that as the game moves on. But I think, you know, sometimes on the first drive, they're not having that same success that they've, uh, that they've had in past years. Uh, so, so to add to this, and I think this, this first one's very well known, and, and both Lamar and Roman have spoken about this, is that they are clearly getting looks from teams that they have not seen before. Um, both Lamar and Roman have said that. So in the past, Roman and most coordinators would script what the first 10 or so plays of the game. He's for the Roman in the first time of his, what, 30 plus year career. He's saying, I'm not doing that anymore because it's essentially worthless. So what they're basically saying is like all the opponents in the off season took time in the off season to put together a package specifically for Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense. And so it does take time. As you said, you talked about the probing that's already a tendency. And then you layer this on top of it. And they are trying to figure it out. And so that's one reason for the slow starts. What is, you know, heartening is that they keep figuring it out. And that's why they keep having these comebacks. What would be nice is if the defense could, you know, not have these terrible starts also. Um, But, you know, it it is what it is. So that's one thing. And I also say um, uh, Spencer um, Ravens for Dummies, he actually put out a tweet today that – compared Lamar Jackson's first half um, stats versus his second half stats. And there's a clear difference. And maybe part of it is because of what we're just talking about. But in this game particular, I wanted to look into him. So um, Lamar in the first half of this game, very off. Okay. He's had some errant throws before, but for whatever reason in this first half, he, he missed like on four or five. Um, he missed, you know, after Mark Andrews had dropped that touchdown pass, but then he overthrew Andrews for a first down. Um, he overthrew Hollywood in the flats. He overthrew Freeman in the flats on, on a check down. Yep. And he actually underthrew Bateman where he, um, Bateman drew the DPI, but did, Bateman had a, had a step on him. Um, and then he had the interception, which the interception I, I more ding, I don't ding Lamar as much as, as the other guy. 
But anyway, I'll let you go. But I want to I want to tell you the stats from the first half to the second half for Lamar in this game, and it's and it's night and day. Yeah, they're they're absurdly different. So in the first first uh, half, he threw uh, for sixty yards, three point three yards per play, with a rating in the fifties. I think fifty two. So it, the second half, obviously, you know, it was a lot better than that rating. I'm sure over a hundred with the with the two touchdowns, one interception still. Uh, left to go, but uh, I like your reason better anyway. I think the every other team is game planning to to have something prepared for the Ravens is a good reason why the Ravens have to take time to respond and get their offense going. And I, you know, I don't doubt that other quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, have faced that in, in history. And, and maybe Elway is one of them. Maybe that's a reason for Elway having to come back often. Is that other teams said I needed we need a game plan for Elway. Uh, I think I think that the the way that Roman and Jackson have had the offense go that it wears down the opponent has also been a tremendous value in terms of accelerating that ability to come back during the game and create a tired defense and uh, lots of plays on the offense. So at least we've seen that work uh, in some of these one-sided snap count games. All right, let's move on here. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, uh, let's say the Ravens are consistently showing run action again in this game. I almost now have to discount tackle pulls because tackle pulls almost always occur in every one in this game. Um, there are eight of them always occur as part of a counter or a two man pull. So uh, I, I kind of take those out and there's still 30 plays where a guard or center pulled in this, in this game. So 30 individual plays. What was really interesting about it, in the offensive line, the guards made all 25 of their pulls. 25 out of 25, which is amazing for a single game. Uh, uh, Powers, who's you know, taken some heat, but I think he's played okay, uh, ha- has made 16 out of 16. Zeitler made 9 out of 9 in this game. So they're very effective pulling. That was a big part of getting the run game going and being effective with it. The the secondary puller gets a break in my system, so I haven't I, I don't consider that as meaningful. Um, but they're, they're definitely stressing out defenses to use that counterplay. And they're showing them something that they have to react to. And that's been a big thing in the, of the Ravens of past years, last couple anyway, is that they run them, get the defense to run themselves out of position by showing them motion and showing them looks. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, again, Roman had said he wanted to get the run game going. He said that right before this game. And I think he, he, was, he was doing that with the run action that you're talking about. It felt like every single play somebody was pulling. I mean, it was yep. just like, I, I mean, almost every time. Um, and and I do like how Roman um, purposely sets up the defense. I think you were kind of alluding to that, to where like he'll purposely show a tendency. He'll 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 go a certain way, and then off of that, after he's run it like maybe two or three times, he's gonna do a counter. So he's gonna you know show deception with the movement, the line moving one way, and then the running back or Lamar goes another way, and so. Um, but he does that. He'll he'll even pull the card guards the other way, and then the running back goes off off to the left. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. And even Le'Veon, Le'Veon, when when somebody asked him, I think it was today, he was at podium, and they said, "Did you feel like it took you a while with your patient running style?" He goes, "No, that wasn't the problem." He's like, "I needed to learn this offense, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> because it's a very complex running offense with all the parts that and all this movement and things like that that are going on." And so, um, Levian had told John Harbaugh right before this last game, he's like, "I think I got it." He's like, "I think I'm ready. I feel like I'm going to hit the holes," and and he he did. He had his best game of the season. So, um, yeah, all that. Craziness is going on with Roman. I, I like hearing that from Bell. Uh, it's a realization that what he's done this season so far really isn't acceptable. 
Uh, it provides a transitional excuse for us as fans, which I hope is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, I, I, I think he was one of the players who benefited most from that Vikings defense being tired late. And he did all his good running in the fourth yep. quarter in overtime. Uh, you know, so I think you know, that certainly matches up with it. Uh, 12 ample time and space opportunities in this game for Lamar on 44 pass attempts. Not great at 27%. So the line didn't really do its job from that perspective. Uh, the Vikings didn't over over blitz in this game. So I don't think you can say it was all situational from that aspect. When he did get ample time and space, he only threw for 8.9 yards per play. That's a little on the low side. I used to be okay with that for Flacco, by the way. I'm not okay with it for Lamar. It's not good enough. Uh, and, and today's game, you should really do better. By comparison, Joe Burrow threw for 16.4 yards per play when he had a three-second pocket against the Ravens. Uh, you know, the Ravens have weapons, certainly, with, mm. with Andrews Brown and, and Bateman that you'd expect them to get some good downfield throws when they're getting a three-second pocket. Yeah, it, Lamar looked very uncomfortable in that first half, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think once they moved to um, the quicker um, underneath routes, is when they had much more, much more success. And then, so even with that pressure, Lamar was able to get it out more quickly. Um, And that's where, yeah, they were definitely finding more success with all that because he just wasn't, he needed to hold on to the ball longer for those deeper ones. And it just wasn't working in that first half. Yeah. They, they really slowed down the pass rush by doing that. Yeah. By, by throwing the outside that really, I mean, you can't rush six every time if Lamar's going to get the ball out and it's going to Hollywood, you might have real big trouble if if it's blocked up well. Uh, he, he did well. Uh, you know, three of the guys who are really struggling to get snaps right now are guys in camp we had big hope for. Uh, Wallace was a guy in camp who looked pretty darn good. We, I guess we had a feeling he'd play mostly special teams this year. He really has not played hardly at all on offense. Uh, Prochet, uh, down to four snaps in this game. Obviously, he, he's played some well during this season. And it's, it's kind of sad that he's not getting opportunities. Boykin is coming back a little bit. Now, he had four snaps once. He might have had four or five in another game. And he had 13 yesterday. They really wanted him on the field as a blocker. So whenever Boykin was on, I'm like, okay, that's a tell. They're, they're, they're trying to run the ball. Or they're trying to set up a wide receiver screen maybe to use Boykin as a blocker on this play. So it was a lot of that. Uh, good to see him get more snaps, in, in, in my opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of the polar Boykin people. At least I don't think so. I think he's got real talent. I think they can really use him as a, as a blocker. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, he is what he is. And, and let's try and make the most of who that is. Uh, uh, to me, this is good news. It's sad for each of these guys individually. Um, I think I, I don't, I didn't really notice Wallace or Boykin. I, I definitely saw Prochet on that wide receiver screen to Hollywood. He and Andrews were bl- blocked extremely well. I think it was on the, on one of the, on a 20 yarder for a, for, mm-hmm. for a wide receiver screen. To me, this is good news because if these guys were playing a lot, to me, that would mean Bateman or Hollywood or previously Sammy Watkins wasn't getting it done. Mm-hmm. Bateman or has Kirk. Bateman. You may know his snaps. They're through the roof. Yeah. To have a rookie like this be trusted this early with that many stat or that many snaps. And this is your first rounder. And then you have another first rounder in Hollywood who's also getting a, a tremendous amount of snaps. To me, that's good news. It's again, sad for these guys individually. And I think 
you know, I'm here for like a player to here for these guys. Duvernay's playing well. So Duvernay's getting more chances, but th- this is a good problem to have that these guys aren't out there. And it's because you, <laughs> I'm especially happy to see um, Bateman out there so much because to me, it tells me Lamar trusts him and the coaches trust him. And that's what you want out of a first round pick. Yeah, they're getting it from both first-round picks right now. But uh, mm-hmm. Bateman has been between 63 and 66% of the snaps each of the three games. So we've seen Adafi Owe playing about 65 66% of the snaps on defense. So that's, that's first-round picks coming through for you. And they, mm-hmm. the Ravens really got what they wanted. I was a little worried because Bateman's injury with Watkins also out was not at a good time. He was on the injury report, but uh, he had a great game. I didn't have any problem with uh, you know what he did, and, and Brown was even better. I thought I thought Brown looked so good coming back for the football, not one of the receivers right oh, now. Oh, yeah. I, even, even better than I think I've ever seen him before. He's been good at, at getting behind the defense, but coming back for the ball and then still getting yak on some of these U-turn routes. I mean, I just I, – I love that. He, he was – I mean – We'll probably discuss some more, but I, I totally agree. He came, he comes so hard at the ball. I told you, I told you before we started that I'm coaching my son's basketball teams, and every once in a while, you have to remind them which hoop you know we're going at. You don't want to go to the wrong hoop. <laughs> Hollywood comes so so fast and so hard at that ball that for a second, I'm like my my coach instincts with these little kids comes in. I'm like, ah, we're going the other way because he's coming back. But then he pivots and he goes right back up the field. Hollywood, Hollywood has taken a massive step this season. Yeah, I uh, loved what loved what we saw from Brown. I, I, you mentioned the wide receiver screen, particularly the one to the left side. It was on a third and 13 or something. We negotiated traffic. He's a different player most of the time in terms of not going down immediately after the catch. He's, he's not afraid of contact the way he used to be. Uh, he did have one, game, one play in this game where I thought he, he was only a couple of yards short of the first down, and he went down a little bit early. But other than that, he was great at trying to, trying to squeeze the most drops of, of yak out of this game. And, mm. uh, and I thought he did a great job. Uh, Ricard Freeman and Brown on the outside, you know, this, this is scheme wise, getting the ball to those guys, uh, getting it out of the middle of the field where the, where the Vikings were putting all their attention um, is, is really something that helped the Ravens get going and, and, and keep it going. Even when they were short plays, they were effective plays that were not dissimilar to a good run game. Mm-hmm. When they were good plays, they were, you know, converting third and thirteen. Yeah, so it's uh, it, it was a, it was a lot of good plays to the outside. The Ricard drive was reminding me very much of Tennessee in the playoffs last year. So same kind of thing: three catches for for thirty some yards. Uh, might have been three for twenty six against Tennessee, three for thirty five a year, but not not dissimilar in any way. All right, we ready to talk some offensive line? Yep. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I'll go through them uh, one at a time, and if, if you've got anything to chip in, we'll, we'll give you a chance on each. Uh, Villanueva has not been playing great. As you know, he hasn't had a game above a C, as I've graded it. His pass uh, grades are very low. His, his PFF pass grades are terrible. Uh, his true set PFF pass grades are unbelievably terrible. So by all means, get a subscription to that. Take a look at it for yourself. <laughs> but they're, they're, just, they're just off the charts bad. Um, there is a difference between the two and a half and three second times. Villanueva has a pretty good uh, mean, uh, uh, manner of mirroring the opposing pass rusher for two and a half seconds effectively. And that works well with Lamar, who is good at taking a bump. Mm-hmm. If he were Cousins, he wouldn't be as good taking a bump. He'd go down, he'd throw the ball away immediately when that happened because he wouldn't be comfortable moving around or outside the pocket. Lamar, I don't know if it's bumping. This is just you know trading paint here. And he, he moves on and he, and he makes a throw. 
Uh, one and a third sacks for Villanueva in this game, a third of a quarterback hit one pressure. He had an offensive holding call, but 89 snaps is a very forgiving number. <laughs> you can make some errors in 89 snaps. Yeah. Still grades out as a C even with all that. Yeah. Uh um, AV for whatever reason was the offensive lineman. I just had the most notes on, um, not you know, good, it, it, well, usually not good. Usually not good. There was, um, one time I feel like he just missed a stunt completely. Um, which put Lamar on the run, but of course Lamar made something out of nothing and he ended up hitting Bateman for 15 yards, but, it, and Phillips was off balance and just pushed back immediately on the other side. So when you have both tackles doing that and Lamar can, can, you know, escape is just incredible. He had the offensive holding. Um, he missed a, a polling block on, on Kendricks once. Uh, but there was also, so I saw him, I, I think I saw him pancake Kendricks on one uh, run by Jackson up, up 12 yards. Um, he was polling. Um he did have two pancakes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I thought that was good. Um, on, on the, uh, wide receiver screen with where I talked about Proche and Andrews blocking a, you know, Alejandro actually got out there and got some shoves in too. Um, at the very end, I mean, by the end, it was the offensive line. I mean, the, the, the Minnesota Vikings were just exhausted. So by then holes were opening up even, you know, around basically everybody. So, um, so there were a couple of good things I saw, but, um, yeah, it's like you said, it's a good thing that Lamar can be comfortable <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's you know, you know, like I said, average at best, average at best, but that's just the situation that we're in. Yeah, we've, we had our uh, offensive uh, roster evaluations over the, over the bye week, and I get together with Brian about that and really talk about value relative to cap. And he is of the agreement. He's probably even more strong on me than that. Villanueva will be gone next year that there's no way they'll pay the six million uh, incrementally that's on his contract so he's he's in his final games as a Raven here trying to really earn his earn himself a new contract somewhere else and hopefully he plays well and the Ravens can can ride him into a deep playoff run at least yeah and that's and that's that's fair I don't know that that's a lot of money I mean obviously the Ravens uh, need to do more to get depth at the tackle positions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that's easier said than done knowing that everybody wants that and that there's a limited supply. Um, but especially go ahead. It's as if they could have not taken Ben Mason and taken stone Forsyth and said, that's just, Oh boy. It's, uh, you're you're (laughs) (laughs) I won't dig into that wound anymore. Ken, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. You didn't put the knife in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, have some fun twisting it. <laughs> they, they clearly, they clearly need need to do better because I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Stanley with what's happened so far, and yeah, lot, lot of work to do there over the off season. Right. Uh, ben Powers uh, continues to be probably the Ravens' most consistent lineman, and and Zeitler has been their best lineman, but but. Powers has been very consistently at the C level for all but one game where he got an A. Uh, he had a quarterback hit uh, one and two thirds sacks in this game. So it wasn't like he played a completely clean game, but it was another C. Uh, he did make 16 out of 16 polls. Last week, he was only six out of 15 against the Bengals. That's six points out of 15. So he had, he had a couple where they showed run action on a pass play and he gave up a pressure, for example. Uh, so that kind of a, that kind of thing can happen. Uh, he had two pancakes, one block in level two. Uh, generally, just a, a good game. And all the, all the offensive linemen pretty much had highlights. The one I like from Powers, he had a great help block to 
uh, bailout Villanueva on what mm. would have been a pressure. Uh, so yeah. I, I like to see that. That's something I'm really expecting more of from Ben Cleveland to really put a punishing blow on an edge rusher who's trying to get Villanueva backed up. I didn't have many notes on powers and I, I obviously with the offensive line lineman, that's good news. I did have the note of um, him being beat when Jackson was sacked uh, for five yards in Q4. Um, but I also saw him, you know, helping, which I always love an offensive lineman that's looking for, for work. Um, so, so here's a question to you, Ken, cause I keep hearing about when, if, and when I think McCary will return, um, before the end of the season, um, still might be a few weeks out from that, but I think he'll return. Um, and then we got the news that Cleveland is, uh, activated for practice. Um, who is your choice at left guard between moving Phillips back if McCarry's here, Cleveland and Powers for the rest of this season? Okay, so if McCarry's back, the the supposition in his he goes in at right tackle, and I'm not 100% sure I'm there yet, but probably probably that's the answer because he played fairly well there for for a period of time, but very well for a little bit of time. And Phillips has had a pretty good game this week. Uh, wait a minute. Let me see about this. Let me see if I have myself my scoring correct because I thought he had a B, and I, I have another number on here. Yeah, he got a B plus in this game. Phillips he, did. He a, Phillips did. Yeah, okay. and, and that's a PFF has a completely different, and I'll explain the, some of the differences in the in a moment here when I get to it. Well, uh, hold on a second. I first want to understand where are you putting McCary when he comes back in your mind. At, at, probably at right tackle, but if Phillips were to play well for three more weeks in a row, then I think you maybe you maybe change your mind on that and you figure out where else McCary can help you. And, and I would I would probably rule out it being left tackle at this point. But if Phillips plays well at, at, at right tackle, you, maybe you go back to, to a McCary-Phillips platoon. Um, you may try – you may have a variety of things. But I would love for the Ravens to be in an embarrassment of riches situation like that before we have to decide on it. It's kind of like the wide receiver thing, you know, where, where you have a couple extra guys you can't, can't use who might be good. Okay. You're, you're definitely McCary is the right tackle. I can tell I can see it in your face. I can see your face. <laughs> this, this bad poker player. Here. <laughs> so there's no oh, I have no poker face. Clearly I, I wear all my, I'm a passionate person. Passionate, passionate people don't really uh, play poker very well, which is why I'm not a gambler. But um, no, I just, if, I guess my thing is, is here we're talking about how the Ravens need all these extra inline blockers mm-hmm. and they need all these chippers or just, you know, set blockers for help. To me, that's not a vote of confidence in Phillips. Not in either tackle. And, and by the way, they were doing all that when McCary was there, too. They had tons of inline blockers added for McCary as well. So McCary, as as well as he played at right tackle, as happy as I am with the results he had at right tackle, you could make the case that he was playing guard a, a portion of the time because they had so much. They had Tomlinson, they had Ricard, they had Chippers, they had you know whatever outside him uh, to help him with those blocks. So I, it's he, he he did very well. I'm not. I don't want to put him down in any way, but uh, you know I I probably would be more comfortable if McCary returned to guard. Uh, if he if he played tackle and, uh, you know, the Ravens are going to have to do some of the things, same things they're doing right now to, to hide him. I, I, I'm thinking about the best five. Sure. And to me, the best five is obviously we're both in agreement on Zeitler and, and Bozeman. Yep. But you're essentially pitching a Alejandro Villanueva, McCary and Phillips, 
and keeping Cleveland and Powers on the bench. I, I know. I don't, I don't think I said McCary back to left guard. Um, I, I, I would definitely have. I thought you said you back know, to guard. Would you move uh, Zeitler? Did you not say back no, to guard? No, no. Okay, no, I was no, going to no. say. I, I, I was going to say. But it'd be, it, it would be back to backup guard and backup tackle. You know, here's, here's one thing that I'd like to say. If, if you really are having this problem tackle and the inside offensive line, the interior offensive line is in pretty good shape with the combination of Cologne and Cleveland as backups, why do you try and have backups there anymore? Make sure your tackles stay healthy. This, every, every time we think we finally kind of got the tackle problem sort of fixed or really patched, would be band-aided would be the better way to put it, somebody else gets hurt. How, how about we, we sit Phillips if he's not the guy or sit McCary if he's not the guy and just let them be ready when that inevitable injury Right. Comes. I'm here for that. I'm here for when McCary's healthy to make Phillips the swing tackle, backup tackle. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't understand that you were proposing that you would keep McCary as the backup. Here's 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 my my point in this. Okay. Phillips is going to have probably two more games before McCary comes back. Maybe uh, more than that with a high ankle sprain. It's usually six eight weeks. I know they haven't IR'd him yet, but that's coming because they're going to need these spots when when some of these guys are coming off IR. It's he's going to have several more weeks for them to determine what they have. And if you were to play well for those several more weeks, I don't think you go back to McCary right away. Maybe you go back to a rotation at that position because then I don't think you're taking additional injury risk to see what you have. Or maybe you, maybe you go back to McCary and you, and you sit Phillips and, uh, and you say, okay, Phillips, you're the swing tackle and you've been more injury prone in general over your couple of years here. Well, it's something to revisit then at that time. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's go, let's go through the rest of the scoring here. Bozeman, second straight solid game, one and a half pressures, one quarterback hit. That's not too bad for 79, uh, 89 plays, sorry. Only two of five on polls. Uh, B, uh, glad to see him play the entire game. So I hope the Bozeman injury is behind us. Yeah, the uh, the one negative highlight I had was uh, the quarterback hit he allowed, um, where Lamar went incomplete to for a deep one to to Marquise Brown. Um, let me see here. I had you know the highlight I have him and uh, Zeitler along with Patrick Ricard um, when they had that big edge yes. rush with Freeman um, out to the right for nineteen yards. That was oh, that was pretty nice. I like that one. <laughs> that was I, a nice like way to attack the edge when when our running backs, you know, aren't scaring a whole lot of people with their speed. So that's on one the, way to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you there. On the second to last play, on third and two, he also had the nice push with Phillips uh, to give another five yards, probably to Bell on the 12 yard run. That really shortened the field goal distance. Not that that's really important with Tucker, but I just watched a, a video. I don't know if you saw it out there today. It's like four minutes of all of Justin Tucker's yep. game winners over the years. You see, you saw it. I, there's a lot of those kicks were scarily close to one upright or the other. And, and that unfortunately included the one, you know, yesterday, it, very few like goalpost splitters that I think of Tucker as kicking regularly. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I could watch that, that uh, video a few, a few times. <laughs> um, it's nice to have a goat on your team and uh, to have him in crunch time on the, with the game on the line. It's nobody better. Very cool. Uh, okay. So Zeitler uh, continues his good stretch. He really only had the Detroit game that was bad since the Broncos game. He's been good. A minus in this one. He had a holding flag. That was his only negative play the entire game. 
Uh, I missed five blocks, made nine out of nine pulls. So I really have nothing negative to say. He's obviously, he's he's the glue that holds the line together right for now. For sure, for sure. Um, and I love his wife's tweets. He's always, it doesn't, he, he's at dinner doing yoga. Like he's, <laughs> he's at his wife's, um, you know, she's giving birth and he's there practicing his, his sets and his footwork. Um, uh, I had, and I don't know if you can score him bad for this. Uh, his man got a, a, a tip ball, but I think that his man just got a good play. Just got his hand up and, and tipped it. Um, if, like you, if his man did get a tip ball, I would actually count that as a pressure. So I, I, I'm not. I have sure Q Q one four fifty eight. Nope, I do not have that. Um, Okay, on that drive, I don't have a ball tipped by a defensive lineman. It's not. It's beyond the line of scrimmage, or is it in the backfield that the that the tip happened? I'll look for it. Um, Q one four fifty eight. You say right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Take a look. I, they, I'm pretty sure they even should have um, because it was such a errant throw that it was clearly not just Lamar throwing it badly. Like it got it got a tip on it. Uh, it's possible yeah. I missed it, in which case I want to change that. I haven't done the all 22 review of the offensive line, so I will catch it during that. And I appreciate Perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and the other, only other thing that I thought was negative, where was this? Um, I don't have a quarter on this, but um, it, it was on the play where we, the Ravens got bailed out with the horse collar tackle. It, to me, Zeitler's may, maybe I'm misassigning uh, it because again, I don't know everybody's assignments, but it seemed like Zeitler's man was the one that got straight through that made Lamar have to run, and then Lamar made a poor decision position trying to uh, pitch it, pitch it, and so they totally got bailed out on the horse, horse collar. But it was it was Zeitler's man that got through immediately, which is I, I thought I uncharacteristic of him. You you are I'm sure correct on that, but uh, once the horse collar tackle occurs, then everybody oh, then it wipes it, yeah. scored for the play. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So um, anyway, but I, I mean, so many times I saw him doing you know great things, great things, blocking and helping, and uh, yeah, the leader, the leader of the group for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Phillips a little bit because he's, he's an interesting character here. 51 snaps, 42. I'm sorry, I have the wrong game I'm looking at here. So that's why I have the the grade. But I have the grade correct at a B plus. Um, he gave up two pressures and one half a quarterback hit. And my recollection is that all of those came early. So half the quarterback hit and the and the pressure were on the second drive of the of the first quarter, and then the other pressure yep. came. <laughs> oh, it was on the second play of the game. So that that's all of them already. From there on in, he, he had he had a couple missed blocks, but but he basically made every other block. Um, you know, per his assignment here, did a good job. Made blocks in level two. Uh, made some uh, four four of those had two highlights. Made one pull. That's just a trailer. So that's, he didn't really make it. He just sold the fake. Is essentially what he's doing there. But a very solid game. Now, one of the things about Felix I'll say in this game is that the Vikings had one of the worst edge rushers you could imagine. Number 79, Willikus, is actually a practice squad player they brought up. Mm. And he was taking a significant number of snaps on the edge. for, for And he had a couple sacks in this game, right? Maybe it wasn't two, but he had, he had, he had sacks and pressures in this game. That's not a good sign for the Ravens tackles. But Phillips, even with that, I thought played very well. He really did a good job of leaning on his opponent once the, once the other team got, got tired. And, uh, and a B-plus in this game, I, I thought a, 
uh, a solid game. And, you know, when I looked at it, and I apologize because you've got the wrong notes in front of you. I sent you this thing, and it's, it's, it's not my current notes for this game. Um, he did a very good job of, of taking advantage of the tired Vikings defenders. Yeah. And then he, uh, I think also, um, I, 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 no, I, w- I won't say that yet. I'll just say I, I don't think he will lose his job in even one more bad game. I think if he were to play poorly in this next game and it was a high F, say, by my system, I don't think he loses the job. I think he keeps it. Um, and, and I think uh, he, if, if he plays at this level for two or three more games, McCary and he will at worst rotate when McCary returns. Uh, I don't think, I don't think he, uh, he loses his job to McCary when he returns. I think you might be underestimating John Harbaugh's love for McCary. <laughs> He's certainly been vocal about it, hasn't he? He has. He has. So, uh, so I, I had the same things. So I, I had something. I think I, at least whether it's part or full, uh, the the sack in Q four of seventeen seconds. I have. I have on Phillips. I have that a hundred percent on Villanueva. Villanueva. So Villanueva okay. was was bowled by Willikies, who's this practice squad uh, guy. And he, he, that was the initial flush. And then the, the Lamar was forced outside of the frame of the pocket. And once that happens, then the, then all the blockers are disadvantaged because they, they're not blocking somebody straight on. They're having to block somebody from moving laterally. And, and then that's when I guess it was Phillips guy who ended up getting the tackle. But uh, yeah, yeah. But it was that was 100 percent on Villanueva. Yeah. OK. Well, Q, well, I almost called you Q. I'm so used to talking to Q on our show. Ken, we're definitely going to have to revisit this because uh, I just can't get on board with you yet. But but maybe 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 Phillips will change my mind in the next few few weeks. And and that's he, he'll have to do that as well by playing well. I certainly wouldn't project him to play well at this level, even for for three or four more games. But if it happened, I think you know you're you're in a position where you have a, a an embarrassment of riches and a good decision to have to make. And by the way, when Cleveland comes back, I would expect it to be a rotation again with Powers at this point. Powers hasn't yeah. played himself out of the job, even though he hasn't played extraordinarily well either. Right. But I think that Cleveland has enough enough upside that you want to get him in there for that rotation and start yeah. building him up. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's see. 17 blocks in level two. That's always a good sign that the, that the, the running game is working. Um, those L2 blocks, they are really going to increase when Boyle comes back. Boyle is a big part of... Uh, getting double teams in the middle. He's sometimes the back end guy. Sometimes he's a guy who moves to level two since he's a little quicker. Um, but uh, he will really help in terms of how the Ravens want to uh, use power uh, right up the middle of the field and, and, and use double teams on those defensive tackles. I cannot wait for Nick Boyle, but I'm also trying to like temper my expectations knowing that it's been a year. So, you know, we got we to gotta have some patience with him. Um, but I am I'm very excited for his return. I tempered my expectations for Bateman. I consider my tempering done for the year. So, <laughs> so you're letting loose. You're letting loose. I felt, I felt the same way about Oway. And Oway, uh, you know, honestly, didn't really have a very good game against the Vikings. We talked about on the defensive side. But uh, but his, he's certainly playing way above where we could reasonably have expected. For sure. Okay, so Lamar, I don't have a lot to say about him. Uh, he continued to extend plays well. Uh, three of the four sacks were on the offensive line in this game. They were really... It, it weren't a case of Lamar overholding the ball. That is still something that can occur, but uh, but that wasn't really the, the the problem here. A lot of the problem here was people not getting blocked and uh, and and not getting blocked by the offensive line. Uh, what did you think about Lamar being able to handle pressure as it came into the pocket? 
I think Lamar's always good with pressure coming into the pocket. Um, I felt like there were a few times where he could rely on his playmakers, which he eventually started to do. Um, uh, and, and, you know, John Harbaugh had even talked about how like they're okay with, with that. They're going to have a little bit more sex with, with their style of play, Lamar's style of play, um, holding, holding that ball and, letting him make those decisions late on what he's going to do. But I mean, you've talked about it plenty about how he has an incredible ability to stay calm when like the left side is like creeping in on his, mm-hmm. on his backside. Um, but, but yeah, I, I feel like it, it took him a minute to just be, to, to trust those checkdowns. There was one time where he overthrew Freeman when he was checking down. And then, so on the next play, I don't know if he didn't trust himself after that or whatever, but he could have had Freeman again for another easy eight yards and instead he scrambled and he got about three. Um, so, but, but, you know, he could trust, you could, he could trust a little bit more in that when, when, when the uh, pressure's coming, but yeah, I feel like Lamar's um, very good with that. And he always makes the, the offensive line look better than it, it actually is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, he's the biggest offensive line improver in the whole league. Uh, I, I do feel maybe more so now that he's the guy up the middle that he's doing more uh, pulling of the football than he ought to. And obviously he had 21 carries in this game. So this is a, this is a significant question to ask because you don't want your quarterback taking that many hits if you can avoid it or, or even that many less the number of times he runs out of bounds. But he's, he's, he's pulling the ball a lot. It seems like for what are some somewhat marginal opportunities in the middle of the field, mostly. So, you know, he sees an opportunity. He thinks he can get five yards. He's not really as concerned about whether or not the entire right edge or left edge is open for Freeman out of sidecar. Yeah, I mean, are we saying like the same thing that I feel like he could trust a little bit more in, in you know, checking it down and letting his playmakers kind of kind of do that? Um, I, Mark Schlereth talked a little bit, which who was phenomenal, by the way. Probably yeah. one of my one of my favorite really commentators. Good. I mean, he was so good. It makes me jealous uh, that the Ravens aren't on Fox more often uh, because some of these guys are not on Mark Schlereth's level. But anyway, he talked about how um, with those extra blockers helping the tackles, um, it really does open up that middle of the field, the field where he can have lanes going straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times that was open for him, um, and I was fine with him taking it. Um, so, so I mean, more than anything, I mean, you can nitpick it, you know, but at the end of the day, Lamar is really good at reading the field. He's really good at reading the keys of defenders and he's really good at decision-making. And then he's really good at being slippery. So he doesn't take the most massive hits. So, so, I mean, I can nitpick it. But over, but I trust that guy. He's 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 a he's like a point guard that that just has the no look passes, who knows where everybody is, and just and just gets it. So yeah, I think he's excellent. All right, more basketball references. That's great. <laughs> I, I I agree. I think that when Lamar is making a read in the mesh is really what I'm talking about, and and when he's doing that and he's reading the foot of a defender, I think he has a harder time 
incorporating the other information that's coming on from other parts of the field because he's working really in milliseconds to determine when's the best time to pull this football to get that guy on his right foot. He does it better than any athlete I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, you know, Muhammad Ali is is the same category. You know, Barry Sanders and Gale Sayers as runners are in the same category. But almost nobody can read the leverage of the opponent like Lamar Jackson can. And I don't think it would be reasonable to expect him to read the outside of the field as well and see what did Freeman have going out of sidecar to the outside? Or mm. what did Freeman have, meaning, meaning whether he leaves the ball in the mesh or not is always what I'm getting at here. Oh, okay. Uh, so so it's, that's, the, that's the only component. I, I would, if he had all the information, if he did, then I'd like him to let Freeman have it more often when the result is expected to be equal. Did you think that's, that was, did you think that was an issue when he had Gus and Dobbins? Or is this a trust of Freeman thing? You know, I'd really, I don't, I don't like making judgments when I wasn't looking for it at the time. I didn't notice it in the past as much. He didn't run as much uh, last year as he did in 2019. Um, I think it probably, if anything, it probably would have been more of a problem in 2019 than in 2020 because he had more carries then. And, but he was running because he was running the outside out of pistol. I mean, they were power running up the middle with the running back, or he was running to the outside. He was getting a lot of runs that were out of bounds that weren't big risk plays for him. So I, I kind of like that better. Got you. Uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Um, at the same time, again, I don't think the Ravens running backs are scaring anybody. No, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so... You know, if he's making the judgment that he can get more yards than what he thinks Freeman can get, um, I'm okay with that. Because, and again, I'm really happy with the rushing results of of Sunday. What I'm trying to do, though, and it sounds like you don't, you're not, you're not trying to make any reservations anymore. But, but the the Vikings defensive line obviously didn't have Michael Pierce. It's not the best, you know, run stuffing defensive line in the world. They also got most of that yardage at the end of the fourth quarter and a bit into overtime. And so I'm not convinced yet that like Freeman and Le'Veon Bell are suddenly ready to go. And we're going to see this much every week. So um, anyway, I'm just putting that in the context of like, to me, I'm, I, to me, because Lamar has always been a good reader in terms of when the mesh point, when to give it up and when not, I'm wondering if he's keeping it more because he knows what his running backs are capable of uh, with their speed. It's absolutely fair criticism and projection to Lamar. And, and I, I don't have any objection to that. And your, your assessment of the Vikings is hundred percent correct that they're not up to the league standard in terms of run defense. So, you know, the Ravens are going to face much better run defending teams when they face the Steelers, when they face the Browns, mm-hmm. uh, they'll face teams that, that really, you know, could be effective at stopping the runs when they face the Titans, whenever that is in the playoffs. Uh, you know, that's certainly a team that, that can do th- good things against the runs and is bigger and, and shown that they can do it in the playoffs um, against the Ravens. So I, I would agree. And I, I'm I'm optimistic about Boyle and I'll temper my expectation and not temper my expectation on what he'll bring back to the offense. I'm very tempered on this crappy offensive line. It's just, yeah. it's just not a very good unit as a whole. And yeah. to have two tackles a week completely changes your scheme. And, you, you know, I don't I'm yeah. not buying into anything special. about Yeah. That. All right, let's talk about individual skill position players. Gets off in the part of the show we love. Sarah, you're first up. Who do you want to talk about? Um, let's see. I'll hit up 
I'll hit up Bateman here. Um, so I think we've all talked about how he's a chain mover. Uh, he's had 12 catches this season. He has 11 first downs. I I'm against the Vikings was the first time he, he had a uh, catch that didn't go for a first down. So we know all that. What made me have another, uh, I'm already excited about many things about him. He's route running. The fact that he's able to go for so many snaps because they trust him. It's, it is, it's this element of gaining trust. Okay. So we're seeing it with these snaps and the coaches. What I love seeing, and you know that you need this with Lamar, who's always going to create on the run. There were two different times where Bateman knew to leave his route because his, his quarterback was in trouble and his quarterback was scrambling and wanting somebody to get open. So we know that Lamar has that chemistry, especially with Mark Andrews. He has it with Hollywood, but to see it twice on Sunday, um, they had it with, uh, oh, it was that one, that one pass where it looked like Bateman had turned into a DB for a second, the way he undercut his own defender to get that pass. And this, Ooh, I, what is going on with NFL game pass? They, I couldn't get the end zone views on like, it was so scattered. Like some of the plays it had them and some, some of it didn't, this was the play that I wanted because you couldn't see from the side very well how he caught that ball. Very um, sad story in general with Game Pass is the quality of that thing is way down. Oh. I mean, it's 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 awful. The all twenty two is on index. The plays are on index. I mean, you want to if you wanted to piss off an analyst in terms of how your product was, they they accomplished it. I, I the, the how they just took a giant step backwards. The product was mm-hmm. so good in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. That's a, that's a tangent. But I'm so mad that I can't get that video. Anyway, on that play, Bateman is on the complete other side of the field. He notices Lamar's in trouble, and he and he does a scramble play with his quarterback, and his quarterback trusted him, and he made a play for Lamar. Then he did that again. That was actually on the DPI. Um, what some may not have noticed is that he again left his route and adjusted and he actually had a step on his guy. Lamar was on the run. So it wasn't an easy pass, but Lamar did underthrow him a little bit. He, he had a step. So that to me is, is just very, um, just, it brings a lot of peace to know that Lamar trusts him and the coaches trust him. And I love every, every bit of this, what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I notice the same things. I, I absolutely love Bateman for a lot of that um, extended play element he brings. And there's two things you can look at, and I think you've, you've highlighted one of them very well here because on the, on the DPI, extending his route by going downfield is not normal. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a whole there's a set of rules are quarterbacks cutting the half the half of the the field in half, and there's a nearest the sideline defender goes there near the sideline side receiver goes there and, and camps out. The guys who make that play work are the guys who say, okay, how can I make space that's outside of the normal rules? Mm-hmm. And going down the sideline further, that's doing it. What Andrews does sometimes is doing it, and he'll go back to the middle of the field. Lamar will direct receivers mm-hmm. back to the middle of the field if you look for it sometimes. Uh, Bateman is a guy who, who understands, I think, how to make space for that quarterback, and, and particularly against zone defenses, which the Ravens face a lot. Uh, you know, it, It's a good opportunity for him to create space. So. I love it. I think he's a perfect receiver in, in many ways for what the Ravens do. 
Also, I've noticed tremendous growth in Lamar this year because Lamar in past years has really looked for Mark Andrews on those plays, sometimes for Hollywood, but more Mark Andrews. And, and he was the safety blanket. It's, it's too easy to have a safety blanket receiver and one guy. I mean, that's too easy to cover. This year, he, he had Prochet was the guy for a couple games. Yeah. And, and he made four catches in the one game. And now it seems to be Bateman is getting some of those throws. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood is getting some of those throws, in particular bailing out bailing out Lamar. I love that he's spreading around the extended play balls. Yep. All right. Is it your turn? My turn. Okay. I'm going to take Devin Duvernay. A couple things about him, because he didn't have a big game statistically in terms mm-hmm. of uh, catches when he had two receptions for six or eight yards or something. But one of them is an amazing play in the back of the end zone. It's the kind of play you'd expect Mark Andrews to make where he's got the big soft hands and he can tip it to himself and catch it on the sec on the, on the first deflection. Great spatial awareness, feet and everything even better than I've seen from Andrews. Cause that, that's not something I associate Andrews being great with is, is having great sideline feet. First of all, he's always in the middle of the field. So, you know, why would he ever bother with that? But, you know, just very good at, at uh, keeping the football, by the way, that's another thing from Bateman took a very big hit on one of his catches. And held on. Love to mm. see that too. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the the play in the back of the end zone was really something special for Duvernay. The other thing I loved is the fact they lined him up at running back on a play. They hadn't done that yet. I've been calling for it. The reason yeah, is you, that yeah. the Ravens yeah, Ravens needed outside threat, outside guard, blah, blah, blah. So so anyway, they 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 did that. I was glad to see him for the first time uh uh call it out. You know who completely disagrees with this? Um so I was doing the uh, our review on Sunday, and we got a question from a fan asking about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was open to it. I'm open to seeing Duvernay sidecar maybe once or twice, not much more. Okay. Um. Anyway, so I'm like with the fan to a certain extent. Okay. Kadri Ishmael poo-pooed this idea. I mean, just hated it. Just hated it totally. So he's like, no, 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 no. Um, and then he went off on a tangent that I'm not going to try to repeat for him. But yeah, he, he definitely didn't like the idea. I like the idea of using Duvernay to attack the edges. And so did Kadri, by the way. It, he just would prefer it with passes out there and screens out there, you know, all of that they did with Hollywood. And, and uh, I guess that shuffle pass, you know, is good here yep. and there. Um, but I, I, so, I mean, I understand it. I wouldn't go crazy with it. Um, but yeah, he definitely poo-pooed that idea, but I was happy for you in the game. Cause I had heard you go onto the the lounge and, you know, s- say that. And then, and then they did it and then they did it. So I was like, good for Ken. Good for Ken. It was, it was kind of neat. Anyway, uh, one thing that, that, uh, that I would question about Q and you take him, take this back to him and say that, you know, the problem is none of the running backs threaten the outside. Yeah. And so you can only threaten one of two edges. You can't threaten both edges on a play unless you have somebody in the backfield who has actual speed that could make that Tyson Williams, but they don't trust him. He had 18, 18 snaps in this game, zero touches. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do as a running back, by the way. Very difficult to do. But, but one was uh, negated from a, from a holding. I think he got one carry, but then there was a holding or a false start or something on it. Uh, so anyway, they, they, can, they can threaten with jet motion. They can, they can threaten one edge. Um, they can't threaten with speed the other edge uh, if they don't have a Duvernay in the backfield or or, uh, or another fast player. So it, my my only reservation of it is: Can Duvernay handle the mesh point? And and that obviously is gotcha. something he doesn't have a lot of experience with. But if he's if he can do that, then I say, hey, try it another you know four or five times a game. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, DuVernay, that catch, sensational. Sensational. And I've said this, um, I said this a little bit with Bateman, but what, what I really loved about that, that catch was, I mean, outside of the route, the, the tipping it to himself, the getting the knee down, like all that spectacular stuff. But it just feels like Lamar is always bailing out his team, right? Whether it's his offensive line or creating a play so that somebody can get open or, you know, a, a million different things. It made me so happy to see somebody make a play for Lamar. Yeah. Um, you know, like it wasn't an easy catch. It was where the ball needed to be. Lamar put it yeah. where it needed to be. So it couldn't be intercepted or tipped or anything like that. So at first, you know, glance it could look like it was just an errant throw and it wasn't, but he needed somebody to make a play for him. Do what I did that. And a couple of Bateman did that a few times. And, and I love that. I love that because that's when you're going to start going to another level where it's not just a one man show in Lamar Jackson, but now you got some playmakers that he's learning to trust and they can make plays for him. So I was so happy to see that from DuVernay. Uh, there's a couple of other guys I could go to, but this DuVernay catch reminded me of this. And I know he wasn't on your list, but I'm going to bring up Mark Andrews. And here's sure. why. Um, so obviously Andrews had that drop uh, in the end zone, which, irked me. Uh, I, I feel like he should have had that. Um, and, but he still got plenty of, plenty of yards. Uh, I think he's never two behind Travis Kelsey. Um, but here's, here's, here's what I love about Mark Andrews that can sometimes go under the radar. Okay. The um, Freeman touchdown wide open because all the attention was on Mark Andrews a little bit on Bateman. Okay. The uh, Ricard touchdown wide open because the defense was worried about Mark Andrews. I mean, go back and watch these plays. Um, Bateman, I want to stop you on that one for just a okay, second. Okay, go ahead. Because on the, on the touchdown to Ricard, Cologne ran around yep. as, the, as the eligible, and he was wide open. Yeah. And, and so it really was like everybody collapsing to Andrews on that play. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bateman uh, was wide open for 11 yards because, again, everybody was um, looking at Andrews. And to be honest, Duvernay, I'd love to give Duvernay even more credit for the, for the route, but to be honest, three, initially three jerseys were looking at uh, Andrews and so that's how, and they were, they're playing zone. So Duvernay got to sneak behind them because all their attention again was on Andrews. So you have three touchdowns. Let's see. Duvernay, Ricard and Freeman wide open because they're so afraid of Andrews. That's how, that's how much respect he garners. And to your point, which you already said that you're happy with Lamar is Lamar is recognizing that. So now you've established a superstar tight end, not perfect, but he's a superstar. You've established that Hollywood's becoming that too. And I will, he's another guy I could talk about. We could talk about here. So what happens when the defense puts all their resources on it? Duvernay steps up, Ricard steps up, Freeman steps up. That's the way it's designed. And so to be seeing that, it looks like Andrew says, you know, a small day. By the way, he was phenomenal blocking too. He's not known as a blocker. On a couple of plays, he blocked his dude off 
the edge of the earth. Okay. <laughs> like, like, so Andrews maybe not have had like the biggest day in terms of touchdowns or as many, maybe not as many yards as, as he wanted, but he had a massive effect on that offense. Yeah, def- definitely a, a, a lot of positives that you can pull. And I, I think that you're right that the receiving, the receiving alternatives that he created were very significant in this game. And I, I, I like that. It's very bad to go have 10 targets for 44 yards. I'm not, I'm not going to you know, let him off the hook for that entirely. And the drop touchdown was, was costly. Yeah. But he did a lot of positive things to, in this game to, uh, uh, to look good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention one more guy, and then we'll move on to the mailbag if you've got time for that still. Sure. Eric, Eric Tomlinson and Ricard both deserve a mention. Ricard had a fantastic oh, game. And I think we yeah. talked about it a little bit. Great blocking, great receiving. You know, He was where the Ravens needed him to be. He was a, a presence on the outside when the Ravens needed to get the ball outside of the middle of the field, both as a blocker and as a uh, as a receiver. Uh, but Tomlinson, who's effectively a sixth offensive lineman for this term, was just fabulous in this game. And he had a lot of snaps. I want to say he had over 30 snaps in this game because I know he was a big contribution to the 1.90 whatever, 1.93. But Tomlinson had yeah 34 snaps in this game. So he played 35% of the snaps. He finally got a reception. I don't know how many he's had as a Raven, but that's not many. He might have like two. Uh, he hasn't been targeted that many times in total. Uh, so it was nice to see him actually get that, even though he's, you know, obviously practice squad elevation for this game. So he's, uh, uh, you know, losing some status from that. But, yeah, he's had last he's had one target in 2020, no catches, and, and one target with one catch for seven yards in this game. So that was his first catch as a Raven. Yeah, not 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 a major pass catcher, but I, I saw the same blocking. I thought I thought he was great. Let me. I know we want to get mailbag. I just want to give a note on two people, and I'm not going to go off mm-hmm. on, on Ricard. Um, Ricard had quote retweeted a a um, a segment from Good Morning Football this morning where they went through everything that he did, including becoming you know WR three essentially. <laughs> on <laughs> on sunday it's like ricard for wide receiver now what that man how that man moves with the size of his body defies natural law to me but but go check out how good morning football breaks it all down it's phenomenal and uh ricard quote retweeted it he loved it on hollywood brown i want to say this about him um his yak, which we quickly, which we talked about, I get my yak info from uh, Pro Football Reference, so they haven't they update it every Wednesday. The their advanced passing stats, so this does not include Vikings, which we know he had a lot of yak. Um, he already has more yak than he did in all of 2019. We're only through week nine, and. Before the Vikings game, he was about 25 yards away from for surpassing all yak from last year. And I, something tells me that this Vikings game already put him over that. So halfway through the season, he's already surpassed it. He has taken that part of his game to another level, and I'm here for it. I love it. The second thing I want to say about him, he is... Do you want to say something? Sorry. Well, I just, just want to point out, it's 76 yards of yak as we calculated it, but it's extremely... Um, definition dependent on where does it, does he come down with the ball there? You know, does he, where, where he step exactly? But 76 ought to be a number that fixes a lot of ills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what I also am loving about him and we're seeing this now over his three years here is he comes up in big moments. Okay. His first three quarters, Hollywood had three catches for 16 yards in fourth quarter. 
and overtime, he had six catches for 100 yards. Mm-hmm. There, I love a wide receiver with swagger. He's not a super loud guy, but he definitely has confidence that is through the roof. Um, the fact that he will come into these big moments. I mean, he's had his drops too, right? We remember Detroit. I mean, Andrews has had his. Remember his and Casey and other games. They both had it. But but what I love about Hollywood is those moments don't seem to come up or those mistakes don't seem to come up in big moments. Uh, they have for Andrews. They, they haven't as much with Brown. I love that. I think he's going to be the first drafted wide receiver that makes the Pro Bowl at his position. Um, very, very happy with him. Looking like he'll get a second contract from the Ravens. The Ravens are coming up on the decision to, to give him his fifth year, and I think that now has been made. I think they're, they're going to, at this point, probably earlier this year, they'd already made that decision, but I don't think there's any doubt now that they'll, they'll uh, get that fifth-year extension uh, for him. Him, Andrews, and, and um, Bateman for the next so, four or five years? Great. It's pretty nice. Yeah, four or five. Then Bateman goes walk somewhere else would be the unfortunate possibility. Certainly possible. Yeah, outstanding. Uh, let's let's do a little bit of mailbag. I, my three MVPs I think are going to be similar to yours. If you want to throw in anybody else, uh, I had Brown at number three, Ricard at number two, and Jackson at number one. Uh, I I I could have changed the order on those three just about any of those three ways. Jackson certainly had some interceptable balls and some negative, but then he ran for 120 yards and threw for 266. <laughs> and you, you kind of have to say, well, okay. <laughs> the Ravens go as Lamar goes. So if the Ravens are winning, it's most likely because of Lamar. All right. You good with it? You, you have anybody else you want to mention? Is you, No, you know, no, we went, no, we're good. Yeah, I think that's a good that. list. That's a good list. Dude. Do me a favor, then jump over to Twitter and look for uh, pounds, uh, sorry, hashtag film study mailbag. And we'll go through some of these questions that are out here because they really want your input on this, Sarah. That's what they really want. Honestly, uh, you're the better film guy than I am. I'm, I'm well, still tra- I'm still catching up on X's and O's, to be honest. You are absolutely the person they want to hear from. I can guarantee you uh, on, on that. Um, uh, let's see. What was what was the Bateman bet you both had before the season? How is that going? And it's, this is addressed to both of us. It's got I don't added remember to both this. I don't either. So, so uh, <laughs> I had was it me. Did you have? Did you have that with anybody else? I don't know. I do. I don't know. I get lots of questions. I don't remember all of them. What I say, which is probably a good well, thing. Sorry, sorry about that. But I think I can. I think we could both say that we're we're uh, amazed by the amount of playing time Bateman's got. And of course, the number of targets and receptions go with that, and in very much in his case, they go with that because he's he's been Wait, getting targeted a fair amount. I think I am starting to remember this. I think you way undersold them, Ken. <laughs> I don't mean to throw you under the bus and put me above. No, maybe this listener can like put us in, but I think I remember because at the time we were talking. What did I come on? It was like week one, right? Uh, I will check right now, but I think that's right. You were, you would be our first show of the season, I'm sure. So yes, you were up week. And I think you were really down because we knew that he was going to miss, you know, a handful of games. And then you had been like, I think he's going to have like, I swear. I think you said something like 200 yards. It was really low. Well, it's probably that's probably true, and I I would have stood by that because I thought November first was when about when we'd see him, and so we saw him like for two games before then, and yeah. he played pretty well. And obviously, he's got the good start on having a second half of the season that's that's going well. We had you on, by the way, after the first preseason game, 
And okay. then we had you on after the second regular season game after that Kansas City win. So it might have been then okay. that, that this came up. I'm going to go back and take a listen for that. But I know I know you are correct that I thought that Wallace was the favorite to have more yards coming out of the preseason once the injury had occurred to um, Bateman. And I think by that week two game, we knew Bateman was hurt. He was on IR and he was going to be a while. And he'd had some sort of a setback, right? And that, that we were thinking it would be was going to be the end of that. I, that was where I was thinking it might be November before he plays because he had growing surgery at that. Yeah, yeah. Sean, please. I'm I'm just finally found out who, who wrote this. Continue to write in questions that make me look good. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but I don't even know how much I, I honestly don't remember how much I predicted. I just remember it being more than you. So, but I could still be under two. Um, so yeah, go back and listen to it. That'd be great. Or I will too. I'll, yeah. I'll certainly do that. There's, there's somebody who's cutting up clips of our, of the show regularly and posting them. That is, is, is kind of cool. So Garnett, if you want to be on that and find out what, uh, what <laughs> uh, bet Sarah and I had, well, I'm willing to be losing that and paying whatever I'd agreed. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, we got the question from John Big Booty. Uh, it's actually the John Big Booty. So at the John Big Booty, if you want to follow him. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. What happened on the botched punt return? That's that's another question. What happened on the botched punt return? Oh, with Duvernay and and Stevens running into him. Yes. I didn't, I didn't go back to watch that closely because I did not put that under offense uh, and there were 89 plays to review. <laughs> yeah. um, but just going off of, I don't know that I'm going to add anything other than like, I think Stevens got lost and ran into him. Like, I don't know how else to put it, but he just got lost of, of where he was and where the ball was and where Duvernay was. But did you go back and look at it? Now, he's, the thing I remember from the stadium, and I did not go back and look at it, is that he, he was being blocked on the play and he maintained his block for too long. So you have, you're supposed to know where that punt returner is when, you, when you're blocking. And you give up on your block when you get too close because of all the bad things can happen when you impact your punt returner. Or when the punt returner who's not allowed to touch, sorry, sorry the gunner who's not allowed to touch the punt returner on a fair catch can block you directly into the returner. So you're supposed mm-hmm. to give up on that block. And, he, and it, it, it looked to me at the game like he didn't do it in time. Uh, and that was what, what kind of happened. The Ravens got very fortunate on that play to, to not have that. Very fortunate. Very fortunate. Oh. Right. Um, I see he's also asking how it's going to work when Sammy comes back. With him, Bateman, you, and Hollywood. You read it. You answer. Oh, okay. Um, well, here's the thing is, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about extra blockers, right? Set and chip blockers, especially the set, which makes it you're sacrificing receivers to do that. Um, so if the offensive line were better, I could see, I could see the Ravens having a lot more three wide receiver sets and seeing those guys all out there. Um, I don't see that happening as much unless, you know, Nick Boyle just becomes this game changer and can block like 20 people at the same time. <laughs> there's, not even, there's not even 20 defenders on there, but he'd figure out how to do it because um, he's Nick Boyle. Um, but uh, but I, I could see Bateman snaps going down a little bit, which probably might be a, you know, a good thing because they both can do similar things, Bateman and, and, and Sammy Watkins. Um, but but um, I'd like to see I'd like to see all three of them out there sometimes. I just don't know how often that how how realistic that would be. 
Yeah, I, I do not anticipate a change in scheme because I think the Ravens have to basically start their scheme with how weak their tackles are. And I think that means they're, they're going to stick with a lot of 21, a lot of 12 personnel. I mean, we saw some 13 in this game and we saw some snaps of 14 in this game. Mm. That's really getting out there where, you know, they have three tight ends and a sixth offensive lineman in the game who, yeah. are, who are basically all, uh, you know, inline players. Uh, you know, one of them is Ricard, but still, it's it's a it's a uh, it's a giant lineup to to be doing that. Uh, the the thing I think that Roman may use is if he's got four receivers that he kind of trusts, and I think he has that with Duvernay, Brown, mm-hmm. Watkins, and Bateman. Is he may try a fresh legs routine uh, from earlier in the game? So you, so you get a defender that's on the field every down, your cornerbacks, and you and you. Complete, continually swap in wide receivers, and that can give you an advantage in terms of running longer routes and, and be more likely to get open, making the defender play soft more often, getting more underneath throws because of it. So I think a, a, a smart OC like like uh, Roman is going to be able to use that to his advantage. And the, the Ravens are a little bit like the Saints of the last decade or so, that they rotate in a lot of personnel by down. They're not really a natural no-huddle offense where you put the, what, the same 11 guys on the field and you're happy playing them down after down after down. Roman really wants to uh, swap out players and, and use different scheme uh, against, against more tired defenders. So I think he could find a way to, to, to get value from that. For sure. I, I agree with you. I don't think it'll really be mostly from 11 personnel. Right. Sarah, it is such a pleasure to talk football with you that we always run an hour and 20. And uh, you know, this is going to go out there with the, with a couple commercial breaks in there at probably an hour and 30. But I, I love talking football with you. Any chance I get, I'll do it. So uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and, uh, and joining us again. Ken, do you, do you have stats on how long people listen tell like when they drop out like i'm just wondering when you and i go for an hour and 20 what percentage of your people keep listening <laughs> to us ramble <laughs> we have a a core set of listeners that will listen as long as the episode is okay I've tried to make the 25 years episodes be ones that can be 20 or 30 minutes so that are that are for shorter attention spans that are gotcha. really more about people who want that but i think the bulk of the listeners and, and it, it may make the the listeners selective for this show they really want to hear the whole thing so awesome. they'll, they'll break it up over two car rides to do it or, yeah. or uh, two runs or whatever. That's awesome. Good to hear that. Well, I love really being on your show it. and I appreciate the invitation. I always like coming on with you. All right. So we have you coming on one more time for the defense after the Green Bay game. hope that's not a tough, tough uh, conversation, but you never know. It might be. And then you'll be on for the first playoff game, I'm hoping. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Uh, folks, if you if, if plugs you want to do, do you want to uh, direct people to your show again? You're good. Uh, just S, at SG Ellison on Twitter. That's where I'm at. All right. Fantastic. One of the one of the best Twitter accounts to follow for the Ravens. Make sure you give her a follow if you haven't already. My guess is if you're a follower of mine, you probably already following Sarah, but <laughs> give, give her a shot. Uh, uh, one more thing to mention. Other people, if you want to do a 25 years pod, we still got about 10 to record. Uh, get your idea to me, and I'll try and get you in by, before the end of the season. But I'm really interested in those obscure ideas, narrow focus, 20 minutes of deep discussion on a narrow topic. But that's uh, that's my kind of thing. But all kinds of cool things, individual games, tendencies, this away versus Adelis Thomas, all kinds of other things that have been very interesting, uh, uh, historical, uh, mostly good. Sometimes people seem to like to talk about bad games, Sarah. What do you think is the <laughs> phenomenon going on there? I think it's a venting session. They got to get something off their chest and you're basically, you know, the, the therapist kind of Unpaid helping therapist, them through yes. it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had these same troubles too. And believe me, it takes, it takes me a long time to, to get back to normal after a, whatever normal means after, <laughs> after a big loss. Yeah. Sarah, thanks again for coming on. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.